Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired police sergeant. For the latest news articles and much more, check out our website, letradioshow.com. In the Law Enforcement Today show, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, first responders, their families, their community, and victims of horrendous crimes. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Our page is Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Check out the daily articles on our website, letradioshow.com. And while you're there, download our free app. The Law Enforcement Today Show is brought to you in part by Transformations Treatment Center. Many are using the term epidemic to describe the current problem of drug and or alcohol abuse in the United States. Virtually everyone we know has been negatively impacted by this problem. Yet for so many that are experiencing the devastating effects of drug and or alcohol abuse, they don't know who to turn to for help. Who can we trust to care for our loved ones? Transformations Treatment Center is one of the most respected, ethical, and professional drug and alcohol treatment centers in the world with a strong focus on individualized care, offering a wide range of holistic, specialized, and medically supervised treatment programs. We know that many of you have questions. Take the time to call Transformations Treatment Center for the answers. 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Or go online to transformationstreatment.center. Calling us from Howard County, Maryland area, we have retired... Howard County, Maryland, Police Sergeant James Lilly on the phone. He's also an author. We'll talk about that in just a moment. James, I'm going to call you Jim. Thanks so much for being a guest on the show. Very much appreciated. Well, thank you, sir, for having me on. Jim's written multiple books, and he's like an eighth-degree black belt in karate, which I'll be honest with you, I don't understand. I'll let him explain that. First of all, how many books have you written? A total of 19 so far. <laughs> 19 that's quite a bit where can people get more information about the books and, and buy them and whatnot the majority of my books are on amazon.com and uh, so the the most of course the most recent ones that at, at the uh, point i'm having a, the greatest success with is a series i wrote three books titled uh the series is the hounds from hell and the title of the first book the hounds from hell the second being knights in tarnished armor and the third being Tainted Justice. And in May, I was called by Doton Bear, the uh, owner and a producer at Associated Artist Group, and he, at that time, told me he wanted to produce those books into a 90-minute pilot, and it, then uh, the objective was to roll them into a TV series. And what he liked most about it, he said that without probably realizing it when you wrote the books you wrote in what people are looking for is police reform because you took it from your first book and rolled it out to your search for the corruption going on within the department and in other locations and closed it out in your third book where you actually went with that special selected squad and took out the the corrupt police the uh, judges and so forth and you, you you rolled it around to show the good point and the good side of policing. So people get those books on Amazon? Yes, sir. They're all on Amazon.com. And, and they have them available in paperback, ebook, and Kindle. And his first name's James, last name L-I-L-L-E-Y, correct? 
Yes, sir. So just do a Google search. That's what I did, and I found most of the books available right there on Amazon. And the funding for this program, this pilot, what happened with that? Well, they're, they're, of course, they're still they're still looking to to set everything up. And right now, our our biggest point is trying to deal with the anti police sentiment. And uh, it's it's kind of tough at, at this point with everything that's going on. And we we've, we've said if we did this a year ago, it would already be on film and already out. And uh, trying to do uh, a little, he was trying to do a fundraiser on uh, Kickstarter, and they, you can find, of course, Kickstarter and Tainted Justice would pull up the whole background of what we're trying to do, and it's uh, it's just been a tough uh, point right now trying to to raise some funds that he was trying to raise. He was looking to raise one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and we haven't even reached the four hundred dollar mark yet, and. And it's un- unfortunately, you know, with this uh, this sentiment right now, it is it is hurting, and and people, uh, I guess, are not willing to try to look at, at, at something positive from the police side. And unfortunately, there is a lot more positive out there on the police side than than. Uh, is being brought to public attention, and that's the shame of everything See, that's happening. Have, I've not really experienced that because the Law Enforcement Today radio show, syndicated, it's on 43 stations nationwide and growing. We average growth of one to two stations per month. Right now, it's broadcast okay. a total combined population of 19.4 million people. The difference being James or Jim is that there are people in the entertainment industry that recognize this for what it is. It's a small segment of the population being very vocal getting very loud and you know what's happened and i'm gonna say this in a way where a lot of people will get the message clearly these people have no backbone a and e tv is a perfect example they got rid of live pd and they lost half their viewers half yes and it's it's ridiculous for a media company to do that and they use this cop out they use this excuse well it's the anti-police sentiment well guess what you're, you're, how low were you policing? Uh, well, my, well, I started my career back in 1967. Right. And, and back in the 60s, there was a lot of anti-police sentiment. There was a lot of terrorism. There's a lot of police being killed nationwide. Am I correct? Yes, sir. And it was that way in the 70s and the 80s and even to the 90s as well. Uh, am I wrong? No, sir, you're not. So here's what I don't get, Jim, between you and I. This is not new. This is something we've all been through before. We've been in through with the, was it SLA and Black Liberation Army and Black Panthers and all these other organizations that supposedly had a politically motivated anti-police sentiment, and they all had, in their minds, justified reasons for doing what they did. Right. You know, when when you look at uh, back then, uh, I don't think you had as many politicians jumping on the bandwagon as you do today. Well, I think you're absolutely right. And I think yeah. that's what we talked about, what's suffering as a lack of backbone. Now, for those who don't know, Howard County, Maryland, is basically in between Baltimore and Washington, D.C. There's another county between Howard and Washington, D.C., but it's a bedroom community for both, and it has its own distinct flavor as well. But it's no stranger to violent crime. It's no stranger to all the things that happen in Baltimore and D.C. as well. Uh, and Jim was policing in the area of people like William Donald Schaefer and all these other ones that were very progressive, very liberal Democrats, but they were staunch anti-crime politicians. And that's what we're missing today. Well, uh, yes, we are. And, and you, know, you almost have the, the sentiment with some of these people that they're actually, with their innuendo, is 
convincing these people who are out there rioting now to continue on with what they're doing. Right. And, uh, I mean, and that's, that's certainly wrong, and then to blame the police for the problem. Yeah, and again, it's a political move, and we stopped doing civics in most high schools across America, but for people who don't understand, and, and at a certain age you'll understand, the law enforcement agencies across the United States are generally part of the executive branch of the government. In a city, it's the mayor. In the counties, it's a county executive or elected sheriff. And in state, it's the, the governor. And in the federal branch, it's the, the president. That's who the vast majority of law enforcement agencies fall under. Then you have all these city council, you have uh, legislatures, all balking about what's being done wrong with policing, enforcing laws they created that people like you and I voted into office, and it's a power play. Then we also have spineless, feckless, parasitic mayors, governors, etc., who the first thing they do is throw police under the bus for doing the job they hired them to do. We love bringing you the Law Enforcement Today show. People say, I can't get it on a station near me. Never fear. You can listen to the show as a podcast for free. Just go to letradioshow.com, click the Be Heard tab, you'll find us there. Or do a Google search for a Law Enforcement Today podcast. Be sure to subscribe today. Remember, it's free. This is the Law Enforcement Today show. We're talking with James Lilly, retired Howard County, Maryland police sergeant and author. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Epidemic. America's public health crisis. These are all terms that describe the current problem of drug and alcohol abuse in the United States. Countless lives are lost and heartbroken families are too many to count. Transformations Treatment Center is dedicated to saving lives. Call 888-991-9725 and online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has many acclaimed treatment programs offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. And online at transformationstreatment.center. This portion of the Law Enforcement Today show is brought to you by Mr. James Mather from Synergy Financial. Did you know that 30% of American households say they lack life insurance and 20% of households with children under age 18 are uninsured? As a former law enforcement officer, James Mather will always have your back. For free information about insurance, retirement, college funding strategies, and more, go online to mrjamesmather.com, spelled M-R. J-A-M-E-S-M-A-T-H-E-R.com. Again, that's MrJamesMather.com. Back to our conversation with James Lilly, a retired Howard County, Maryland police sergeant. Thank you for your service, brother. Very much appreciated. He's also an author of 19 books and is an eighth degree black belt in karate. It's uh, uh, well promoted to ninth uh, back in 2011. And how old of a guy are you? (laughs) 
uh, 78 now. I've, I've been practicing uh, the martial arts for 57 years. Wow. That's longer than a lot of our listeners have been alive. That kind of breaks a mold, too, that people, stereotype people have about we get into our 60s and 70s and we become sedate and we don't do things we used to do. So my hat's off to you for still going out there and practicing your martial arts. Uh, it's, it's a commitment for, for sure. Well, it is. And I say I made a very, very strict workout regimen that I keep, I keep a five-day-a-week workout regimen. So I, I refuse to give up on that. That's great. I, I remember going to the gym, and we're going to talk about your police background in a moment. I went to the okay. gym and started working out again, and the, the guy asked me at the gym, he said, why do you want to do this? Standard question. And I, my answer was, look, if a bad guy sees this gray-haired guy walking down the street, he goes, I won't mess with someone else, not with him. That's exactly why I try to stay in shape nowadays. Not because I think I'm a tough guy, none of that stuff. Look, I, I, I found being trained in condition in some sort of physical shape is a great way of preventing bad things from happening oh yes it is and not just that but it's it's also the level of confidence that it instills in you and this is one of the things i have preached long and hard on about about the uh, police training is that the officers should be continually trained physically and in defensive tactics this should be an ongoing process that never stops and uh, in the academy classes that I taught, it was, I stressed that every day that, remember, that the, the criminals are working out in the jail to make themselves tougher and stronger than you. And you need to keep at your level to be able to match what they're going to bring at you. Sure. You're absolutely right. We used to always say, you could tell a guy who just got out of prison because he was in tremendously great shape. Three months oh, later, yes. not so much. Yes. And they trained actively on coming off the wall from pat-down maneuvers and uh, all these other things to go from defensive to aggressive and to incapacitate you. And sadly, use of force is something that's really not understood. We just did an article, Jim, at Law Enforcement Today. Just do a search at letradioshow.com. Rioters in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, said that police officers should be prepared to let people stab them and shoot them, especially if they're minorities, because, well, they're alleged to be racist. And I'm almost quoting them word for word. That's the mindset some of these people have. I can attack a law enforcement officer because of what I think and what I feel. Yeah, well, and then I just read today, in fact, just about an hour ago, that Senator Markey from Massachusetts wants to take away all non-lethal weapons from the police and his secondary is that sometime after that to disarm all law enforcement officers across the nation and allow nature to take its course and senator markey's not the one that's going to be out there doing this and putting his his life on the line this whole notion of taking away less than lethal weapons i believe personally uh, is a big part of the reason why we're in the position we're in now. And you and I both know from being in the area that we policed in, in Baltimore, we carried great big, huge nightsticks that we called S-Bantoons because of the way right. we used them. And somewhere along the line, they they got rid of them. So now you have certain officers who all they have is a taser and a, and a handgun. Not all officers have tasers. And when we were taught early on especially by the old timers, Jim, is that you never got out of the car without your nightstick or S-Pantoon. And it, right. they, they were taught it would save the suspect's life and your life more than any other tool you had other than your brain. Right, yes. 
Because you get hit with that thing one time and it's usually, it's usually fights over. And what they're teaching nowadays, correct me if I'm wrong, but they're teaching a lot of wrestling maneuvers and grappling, and grappling is fine, but the longer you have an incident of force going on, the, the greater the risk to the, the suspect and the greater to the risk of the officers involved. And that, that's absolutely fact, because the longer you're involved with that person, it gives the opportunity for a crowd to gather. Once the crowd gathers, the attitude, prevailing attitude there, turns more and more violent with the people around now telling the police, let them go, let them go, and then some of them actually jumping in and trying to forcefully break him free, and it, it just escalates the situation. And the, the point I've always tried to make is you end the situation as quickly and as efficiently as possible. You could put the subject in the handcuffs, search him, get him in the car, and get him out of there as quickly as possible. Once you've removed the suspect from the area, you have the reason for the crowd to dissipate. Now now they've, they've got nothing to yell and chant about because you've removed the suspect and all of you are gone from the area. The longer you remain there, the, the worse the escalation can go. So you want to get, get the arrest as quickly and as efficiently as possible, cuff the suspect and get him out of there. And I've said if, uh, if it's, uh, the point is too violent, even if you just don't get the chance to search, if you just cuff them and take them a block or two away where you're out of view of the crowd and then complete your search. It's for your safety, the safety of the suspect and everybody else who was gathered there. You're absolutely right. That's exactly what we were taught. And I, I taught that as a sergeant to the, the men and women who worked under me. It was very simple. If you have to use force, if you have to go hands-on, be as quick as decisive and make it over as quick as possible. And once you had them cuffed, it was done. And you get them out of the area. That was all yep. there is to it. And you never lie about it. You tell people why you had to do it. Yes. It, but we hear this thing on TV, and I think people believe this mindset that two things, that, oh, the old fell down the stairs thing that you always hear on television. I've, oh, yeah. never, I've never known a cop ever to say that. Never, never, and my own experience, I never encountered that. And the other one is that somehow in our mind, before I use force, I make a decision in my mind, what kind of force I want to make based on the appearance of the person. Well, a lot of times, I mean, when you arrive at a situation, I mean, you can, you can, from your background, you can immediately assess and say, hey, wait a minute, this is not going to go off. Uh, on an easy step, or you can look at it and say, yes, th this is something I can de-escalate by talking. And sometimes that works well, and sometimes it doesn't. And it, I mean, there was an instance where I was a backup officer to a man, I was off duty, and the, the, the point was, it was a domestic argument. The man was outside, and he was becoming more and more agitated while he was talking to the officer who was on duty. And at one point, I just made a comment that, that just went into it and it broke the guy into a fit of laughter. And that's and it, what we had to do. We're going to take a short break. Yeah. We're talking with James Lilly, retired Howard County, Maryland, police sergeant and author of multiple books. The place to be online is our Facebook page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Are you wondering where you can find more great podcasts? Head to letradioshow.com, click Be Heard, and discover other fantastic podcasts like this one. Also available on our free app, all at letradioshow.com.
Are you buried in credit card debt or student loan debt? Learn how to reduce your debt to a fraction of what you owe. 800-709-4389. 800-709-4389. That's 800-709-4389. Back to our conversation with James Lilly, retired Howard County, Maryland police sergeant, also author of, I think, 19 books and a ninth degree black belt in karate. And we're talking about police use of force in particular. From our my experience, your experience, before we went to break, you're talking about this situation that looked bad with a, you were off duty, a domestic situation, and you said something, and it de-escalated the situation because the suspect started laughing. Yes, and, and it was, and it was just an off the wall comment, and it just it, it struck him just just correctly, and he just lost it, and the whole thing just went mellow. And there was after that, the problem was over; it was done. And the man, the man said, "Fine." He, he went back to an easy level, talked his talked to the officer. Everything settled very very easily, and the problem was done. You know, but, and the uh, truth is that was the majority of yeah. uh, of the situations we had that could have gone violent. They were talked down. We, we use terms I'm sure you're familiar with, verbal judo. We would oh, yeah. say things, and to the, the person listening in, especially if you have a video camera, they, oh, that officer is rude, he's discourteous, he's mean. It was all designed to to let that person know, you want to think twice about going hands-on and, and to talk them down. And 99% of the time, it was successful. But it is only successful when the suspect wanted it to be successful. Yes, and that's that's true. If you if you've got a cooperative suspects are the great ones if you can work with them. But I mean, we both know that, that there are some that it, there's just no way you're going to get cooperation out of them, and you and you can see that from the very beginning of your of your meeting with them face to face. And there you are, and you you realize well this one is going to be hands on because the man is not going to go peacefully. Yeah, we have one guy like that in our district. The nicest guy in the world when he's on his medication. When he's off his medication and drinking, be prepared yes. to fight. And be prepared. Oh, yes. There's a real risk you go to the hospital because he was a giant of a man. Every now and then you can talk him down off the ledge by saying, we're going to get your mother and bring her here. And he would he would snap back. But that was not guaranteed. Right. I'll, I'll be honest. We had a call for a man in the middle of winter in Baltimore in his underwear shaking the front of an MTA bus by the bumper. And without saying his name, we all knew who it was because of the area. And we get there, we're like, be prepared to fight. And you know what happened? Someone said, hey, we're going to get your mom. And he stopped immediately. And sometimes it's just that, that, that comment that will do that. And just and oddly enough, I'm, the same thing as talking a man down uh, that was uh, actually did not living far from where I live. And I, I went up there, and, and this, this this guy was 370 pounds. And uh, I started talking to him, and his mother said, you know, he, he didn't take his meds. But, but the thing that broke him and got him calm was when I started talking to him about how much he had upset his mother. Yeah. And I said, yeah, and his, I said, you, you've upset your mother. And I said, you know, she's, she's in tears. You put her in tears. And then he just went right down to the point of being very mellow and he said you know i'm sorry i didn't mean to do this and from from then on it was the the uh the whole situation de-escalated down to where he said okay i understand what i did wrong took his meds 
and and the oddity of it was that uh, that down the road he considered me his best friend, and we would we would run into each other often, and he would always yell, "Hey, hey, Sergeant Lilly, how are you? How are you doing?" And uh, and it was just a thing. I made a friend just for the idea of talking to him and calming him down enough to say, "Okay, that you're you're upsetting your mother." And the, that that was all it took was the mention of his mother to 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 bring things back down to earth and put him on a keel or where there was not going to be a battle. I would suspect, Jim, that that happens more times than not. I, I personally am in the mindset that policing in practice has not changed from the 60s and 70s much to today. The equipment, the technology, all those other things have changed dramatically. But the basics of talking to people are still the same. And I would think that, let's just say we have 800,000 police in the United States, and I believe it's 7 million-plus yearly uh, interactions with the public and of those right. only a small fraction involve use of force and even less involve use of deadly force and even less use of deadly force with someone who's technically unarmed as they right. the media loves to say so right. the bulk of our of our interactions are peaceful and calm why is it that everyone seems to have the mindset that it's police brutality everywhere. It's all racially driven, and we're a bunch of violent thugs who just want to go around and, and shoot and kill people. I, I think this comes just from the fact that they take a few instances, and, and and what I always say is they beat them to death. They there's a constant story, twenty four seven. They'll they'll run the same thing again and again and again, but they won't go back and look at the good things on the other side that the officers have done. They take the bed and they and that's all they play. And if you if you have that mindset, you're brainwashing the public by continually running the bad, the bad, the bad. And this is all that that's taking place now is there's they don't want to publish and promote anything positive that the police are doing. And even when they're talking about the trying to use non lethal force, people don't understand that uh, some of the some of the kind of suspects that we confront are are out of their mind on drugs yeah. and when you have an instance where you're dealing with somebody uh, in an instance i ran into early in my career i walked into the police station off duty and there there are six police officers battling one man and he's winning and i'm going you know what in the world is going on here no matter what we tried to do to subdue him it was not working and i said well i can i can get him i spun him around and i applied a chokehold yeah now, in a matter of seconds, as big as this guy was, I mean, he had a neck like a Brahma bull, but he started and within a matter of seconds to come down to where we could get a set of handcuffs on him and then take him to a cell. But the instant I released that hold, he went off again. He, was, he kicked the cell, he kicked the cell bars, he kicked the bunk, the walls, and, it, and we had to bring him back out and then transport him to the jail. And all the way to the jail, he attempted to kick me, and the, the man driving the car, and we fought basically in from the back seat with this guy in handcuffs all the way to the jail. And then we get him up there and later on find out that once he started to come down, he just passed out. But he was on cocaine, PCP, and pills. And, I mean, the guy was just absolutely a bull to deal with. But it, and again, you don't even have to take somebody. He was six, six feet tall, 230 pounds. But you could take somebody that's six feet tall, 130 pounds, and they're just as much of a troublemaker or that, that 
full strength because of the drugs they're on and they feel no pain. And sometimes the only way to subdue them is it is a chokehold. And why you, why beat a person continually if it's if it has no effect? And this is a this is the point where I argue don't don't do away with those chokeholds. And what I think a lot of people don't understand with the chokehold being applied when you're holding the person, it it cuts off the air or the blood circulation. You let them drop down. You can feel their reaction to the chokehold. You can, as they as they reduce their their uh, violent reaction, as you start to release the pressure that you've applied on the hold, their breathing returns to normal. And and it, it's not it's not something where everybody believes that every chokehold that is applied is going to cause a fatality. It doesn't. No. Yes, we're going to take a short break. We are talking with James Lilly. He is retired Howard County, Maryland police sergeant, also author of multiple books, like 19, and he's a ninth degree black belt in karate. We're going to talk more about use of force. The very controversial chokeholds, why they're important, and why defunding the police is not the answer. As a matter of fact, it will make things worse. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is also a podcast, and it is free. costs you nothing. Do a Google search for Law Enforcement Today podcast, or go to letradioshow.com, click the Be Heard tab, and you'll find us right there. This is the Law Enforcement Show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Want to fly somewhere? Looking for cheap flights or cheap tickets? Then call. That's right. Call the low-cost airline travel hotline now for prices so low, we can't publish them anywhere. Low-cost airlines has all kinds of cheap travel deals. Fly domestically and save up to 75%. You can even fly internationally and save even more. Yes, fly anywhere in the world and save a lot of money on your plane tickets. We'll even save you money with cheap travel deals on hotels, rental cars, even complete travel packages. So don't book your tickets until you call us first for the absolute cheapest prices on U.S. and international airline tickets and hotels. Call right now for prices so low they can't be published. Travel experts are here 24-7 to help. 800-451-8603. 800-451-8603. That's 800-451-8603. In the podcasting world, there's a huge amount of interest in true crime stories, but very few tell the stories of the heroes that fight horrific crime, whether it be law enforcement officers or everyday citizens. So we decided to start a podcast called True Crime Fighters, where we tell their stories. Each episode is no more than 15 minutes long. Do a Google search for True Crime Fighters podcast, or be sure to check us out and like us on Facebook. Just search for True Crime Fighters. Return our conversation with James Lilly on the Law Enforcement Day Show. Uh, James is a retired Howard County, Maryland police sergeant. He's also author of 19 books and a ninth degree black belt in karate. I'm John J. Wiley, retired Baltimore police sergeant. We went to break. We started talking, Jim, about use of force. And there's this term that I hear all the time, uh, police brutality. And now I'm seeing police violence. And two things I'm going to say very quickly before we return our conversation all use of force is brutal and it looks horrible no matter what you do no one wants to see it and and better yet no one wants to be involved in it and we're not talking about cases of police brutality when it's police brutality look lock them up and and do what needs to be done i don't have a problem with that but labeling everything that way is violence 
they're taking out of the equation the actions of the suspect and what they did and how the officer responded. One of the big things we hear all the time, especially out of New York, and what New York does, the rest of the country follows, is prohibiting and making illegal chokeholds. Now, for people who, and it sounds great when you hear that, but for people who ever watch mixed martial arts, MMA, UFC, whatever it might be, there are a series of jujitsu and other judo, we did them as well, uh, carotid chokes that will quickly incapacitate someone bigger, stronger than you are without a lot of damage. And even though these athletes have trained forever and ever and ever and are highly skilled at what they do, there's a referee that comes in and steps in and says, hey, that's enough and calls the fight. It's over. So one of the things that officers in really bad situations, if they resort to a chokehold, a carotid choke, to incapacitate a suspect, if they don't have proper training, they don't have a referee to say, hey, that's enough, it's going to easily cross the line. Not always, but it can. So my argument is defunding, especially when it comes to physical training, is the worst thing. It puts us all in harm's way. Well, I mean, there, there's certainly no question about it, and I've, I've, I'm a very strong advocate for the, uh, the continued training. And there's a, to me, you just cannot take the police academy training and then when they come out that they never go back again for a refresher course in, in the uh, area of defensive tactics. So as, as time, time prevails, they will become more and more rusty in the, in the use of a hold, and this is where you where you develop your problems. Now, I, I used to take my own time with my squad, and we would work on our own time on the, the, the various defensive tactics, including the chokeholds. But the, when I first began to train them with the tro- chokeholds, we also noted that the, their uh, use of the nightstick in, in effecting an arrest dropped because they found that the, the chokehold would cut it off very quickly and the, end the problem without having to use a strike. And, and, and it, I mean, we even had one, if you want to call it, it, was, it, it actually became a comical situation because the, a man was being uncooperative about coming out of a patrol car. He was drunk. I mean, and he was not technically fighting. He was just being obnoxious to the point of they came to me and said, now how can we get him out of here without having to hit him? I walked around the car and reached in and, and gave him a tweak. And he went, and as soon as I released it, he was snoring. What it did, it, he just went sound asleep, and then they, they removed him from the car. But again, that, that was easy and, and something that you could say, okay, you know, we didn't have to do anything drastic. And then there are other situations where you're, you have to fight, you have to put that hold on and keep it on until somebody gets the cuffs on them. Now, and I, I had mentioned this before to a number of people, that in uh, 2007, my wife and I were in Okinawa visiting Mr. Miyagi, my karate teacher, and he took us to meet the chief of police of the uh, Okinawan uh, Police Department. And, of course, one of my questions to him was what type of training did they do as far as defensive tactics? And at that particular point, they were just beginning their roll call for day shift, and he took my wife and I out and allowed us to observe what they did. They had, at the end of roll call, they had... 15 minutes of defensive tactics refresher and they did that every day prior to going on the street they were, they went through their defensive tactics 15 minutes per shift and it was day evening and night they all received that 
So you're looking at, regardless of what's going on, they're maintaining their training level every single day that they go to work. And in addition, you'll look at some of them, they are continuing to practice a martial art when they're off duty. So this is something, and I said, why can't we use it here? Why can't this be something that you have at roll call? You have your roll call and then a 15-minute refresher on, on use of the, of the nightstick, a use of a chokehold, uh, the proper method of handcuffing, anything that you could use that makes the, the job for the officer easier and the, the safety and well-being of the suspect and the, and the general public is to their benefit is what you want to have uh, for your officers. And I, I firmly believe we're missing a lot by not uh, taking uh, something, a page from their book and saying, you know, this is a good idea. Why don't we try it? I'm inclined and, to agree with you. And that means more funding, not lack of funding. When people talk about no, defunding police, that means lack of training. And that's a right. hazardous situation for everybody. Right. Yeah, you can't take away if you the more the more funding that you take away, what what else are you taking away when you do that? You're taking away valuable time. You're taking away time that could be used for training. And the the higher trained the police officers, the greater confidence level they have. People who can see a very confident officer approaching them are are less likely to want to engage in a physical confrontation than looking at a person and saying, "Hey." You know, I don't. I don't have a reason to fear this man or this woman. I can take them. They they don't. They don't project confidence as they approach me. And I think I'm in charge. And 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 that's certainly certainly an attitude that you can run into. And I've I've seen it in certain situations where they they will go and and they'll choose the officer that they feel is the one that's uh, not likely to. I guess you want to say if they want to fight back, but uh, that would be the situation that they would they would attack that officer as opposed to another. And by the way, that's not just something involving police. That's a rule of nature. When you look at, and I'm not by any means an expert, but when you look at lions and predatory animals, they pick the weakest, oldest, youngest, or infirmed as a potential victim. And the reason being is even for a lion, if a lion attacks a strong gazelle and gets kicked in the jaw and breaks her jaw, it's a death sentence for the lion. He's not going yeah. to survive that injury. They can't take the chance of being injured, but they still have to eat. So when you look at human behavior, especially with violent criminals or criminals prone to violence or even emotionally disturbed people prone to violence, it's almost like instinctual to pick the weakest link. And it's not yes. done for malicious purposes it's done as a survival tactic right and yes, uh, so absolutely. we've got to be more proficient and you know i'm gonna have to have you back in the future to talk more about this because quite honestly this is a subject most people don't understand and they they need to hear more about it before we run out of time i want to talk about your books what's going on you've got 19 books you've written where can people get them well, again, it's Amazon.com, and then go to the book section, and uh, you'll have them listed there under my name. You just put author James H. Lilly. Uh, you can find him, and I have said that there are more than the Hounds from Hell series is the ones we're working on now to get the movie and then hopefully a TV series from it. Uh, there are other, other books there. I have a true crime book, Fatal Destiny, which was the carjacking murder of uh, Dr. Pam Basu. The one of the, well, she was dragged to death while attempting to 
remove her young daughter from the car when she was carjacked just a, about 100 yards from the front door of her house. And I've, and I've got a, a biography, autobiography I've written called Mr. Miyagi and Me about my life long uh, journey with Mr. Miyagi in, in, the, uh, in, in the martial arts. And then uh, another, if you want to call it, uh, is a, I wrote one called Cocktails. And it's called Legends, Pranks, and Stories from a Bygone Era. And they're all, all true stories from the, from the days gone by uh, of, the, of the strange calls, the pranks, and everything else that went along in, in within that time frame. But again, going back to the ones now that, uh, that the Associated Artist Group is trying to push for this 90-minute pilot in a TV series, and there I, I've, I've gone with the idea of the old the, the police humor uh, is included in with what what's done there the um, the the, uh, the old days from the from the uh, roll call with the sniping back and forth between the officers where it was all the good natured uh, games that went on back and forth between them and it, it's just a, something where you get the you get the feel of what. The, the officers were like, and you get the from their personal standpoint of looking at, at their progression of them and how they how they reacted to different things. And we'll cut you off even, there. Even, Just do a Google search yeah. for James Lilly, L I L L E Y, and his books. This is Law Enforcement Show. Thanks so much for being guest on the show. Very much appreciated. Well, I thank you for having me on, and I, again, I, I hope look for an opportunity if we can if we can do this again. I'd be. Uh, more than happy to do so. Hey, folks, when you have a chance, check out our Facebook page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today Show. We've got another great guest heading your way next week. Don't miss it. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya. Mm-hmm.